When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I'm your host, Ryan Key, a.k.a. Billy the Key. Billy the Key. Adam, what up? This is Nick. Hey, Nick. 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 Oh, boy. You know what? Ryan, I know you're a little down. Hey, man. I'm just having the quarantine blues, kind of. It happens. I want to know how many people react like, you're still quarantining? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I bet it was a lot. Hey, Ryan is in Florida, so leave him alone. <laughs> uh, I have a family member that is having some a medical thing, and I, I'm around them a lot, and I'm being careful because I'm trying to be a responsible yep. person. Because you're not a dumbass. <laughs> also, just like it's just, you know, this year, man, I'm fine. It's just been a weird week. That's all. Last week was a weird week. Hey, I think relatively speaking, it's been a phenomenal week. We won't. There is that. See, see, that's how weird of a year it is that I'm like, I didn't even, that just thought didn't even process right now. Yeah. That happened. It was a good week, a fun week, a very emotionally draining. I think that led me to have a weird day yesterday. I think subconsciously, like I crashed yesterday emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. It was real strange. Look, it's all good. Life is good. I'm healthy. I have a roof over my head and I'm hanging out with my buds talking about Star Wars. And while today was just kind of a kind of day, we got a new episode of Mandalorian last Friday and that was a great day. Hell yeah. Yeah. I really, really love that they decided to go week to week with the show instead of dumping Netflix style. Yeah. Me too. I'm not bummed that I can't watch it all. I'm, I'm excited that I have it to look forward to every week. Yeah. I did have a thought about that because I feel like this episode in particular kind of had the duality like thought of like, I wish I had another one to watch next because this one was like not a lot of meat on the bones True. necessarily, depending on your mindset. But overall, sign me up for weekly drops for sure. I felt that way about, I can't remember exactly which chapter, but there was a, a chapter or maybe two in season one that didn't have a whole lot of meat on the bones. But yeah, I would say like four through six were that. Well, I think this chapter really kind of solidifies or makes clear what kind of show they're making here. Yeah. Because there was the question. Are, it's a serial. Well, it's serialized, but it's also Monster of the Week. It's it's a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's cool because you've got like the, the longer story arcs, but then you have the thing that makes it feel like, I, I know this is like sacrilege for some people. And I, I said this a few episodes ago when we, when we talked about Mando, it feels kind of like Star Trek. In that way. Yeah. And I like that because I, I did grow up on Star Trek as well. Yeah, I don't mind. I think it's a little monster of the weeky, but I think that one thing that they did in this episode is bring relevance to the episodes that we thought were monster of the week last season. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. you have little references from those chapter four, five, and six that they brought back to this. So that just gives me hope that, okay, it's going to keep 
you know, they're going to keep building on their own lore. And uh, maybe this this sweet little frog lady becomes something bigger. I mean, look at Peli Mato's now been in every episode this season. It's like I thought maybe she was just going to be like a tertiary character last last season. And now she has some relevance in the show. So it's a slow burn. It's I think we're all learning how to watch Star Wars television. Well, before we get too deep into thoughts and impressions and everything, let's talk about stolen plans. What have you done with those plans? The Mandalorian Season 2, Chapter 10, The Passenger, released Friday, November 6th, directed by Peyton Reed, written by Jon Favreau, starring Misty Rosas as (laughs) Frog Lady, officially. (laughs) Same actress who played Quill in the suit. Correct, yeah. Yep. Amy Sedaris returning as Peli Mato. Richard Ayode as the voice of Zero returning. Uh, D. Bradley Baker as the voice of the Frog Lady. It's just Frog Lady, bro. There's no the. Okay. <laughs> there are many Frog Ladies. It's an official name. D. Bradley Baker was also the voice actor who did the voice of all the clones from the Clone Wars. Talented person. I mean, when you really get into the Clone Wars and the clones themselves really start to have a lot of personalities and there's bunches of them talking together, when you realize that's one person... It's it's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, one maniac. <laughs> Runtime of 40 minutes on this one. Not as long as the first episode, but longer than a lot of the first season. So I'm stoked on that. Mm-hmm. 7.9 on IMDb. Down a little bit from the 9.1 for chapter nine. But still, good score. Yeah. One thing I was going to say is that talking about bringing things back, I'm stoked that Tatooine is such a central part of this you know such a central location i kind of like yeah. that it's anchored there outer rim it's like yeah. where all this shady shit goes down you know it's a hub they, they do mention in this too you know like, like the, there was something called hut space you yeah. know this was mm-hmm. this, the huts now are not in charge of that whole area of space so i mean it's not like it wasn't uh important it's just that it was a little shady of an area a shady part of the galaxy and now it's i guess a little bit more lawless because it Job is gone. Different kind of shade. Yeah. All right, let's get into this synopsis. I'll try to be quick again this week. I think I did all right last week. Picked Hell up yeah. the pace from the you previous did. ones. To be commended. Chapter 10 picks up where Chapter 9 left off, Mando on the speeder racing through the desert with the child. A group of bounty hunters are shown setting up a tripwire to snag Mando on his speeder. Old school trick. They succeed, and the speeder goes crashing. Child and Mando go flying, everything tumbles. So Mando pops up. After a sick jetpack recovery, Iron Man style. Loved that. Very smooth. And after a little tussle, Mando takes care of all but one of the thugs, a little short guy, who grabs the child and holds him at knife point. Mando attempts to negotiate, offering his jetpack in exchange for the child. And after they swap, the bounty hunter runs off with the jetpack. Mando launches the jetpack from his wrist unit and sends this little son of a bitch flying straight up into the sky. He then (laughs) falls to his death. With the loudest thud. <laughs> like yeah. Almost the most graphic thing in the whole episode. Just poof, dead. Very splat. <laughs> Mando calls back the jetpack. It lands. And Mando heads back to Mos Eisley on foot, straight to the cantina to find Peli Mato and ask for help. He finds Peli playing Sabak with Ryan's favorite character, Dr. Mandible, the giant <laughs> ant. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew as soon as I saw uh, him sitting there with his cards, it was coming. Oh, uh, dude, as soon as he came on screen, I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun to talk about. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so pumped. Well, b- before, you, before we get into the card game with the giant ant, I want to put a little comedy in 
of course it's Star Wars and we just go, yeah, whatever, I believe it. But we all agreed that the map was a little suspect right. from Moss Eisley to, what is it, Moss Pelgo? So the speed one must be traveling at on a speeder bike to get from like... Yeah, a little above the equator to what looked like Moscow on the map when she <laughs> yeah. spun it. Yeah, from Ecuador to Toronto. That That's a high rate of speed. <laughs> and I just love that a tripwire stops the bike that has to be going at least like Mach 2 to have gotten there still in daylight in the chapter nine. But And, and they kind of roll it like, ooh, shake it off. Tuck and roll, it tuck and roll. Shake it off. Wait, and then he walks <laughs> back. Walk <laughs> yeah, 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 right. And then I was going to finish by saying... They re- it, the whole concept of that level of speed must be true because they were just far enough for him to be able to walk the rest of the way. <laughs> be like, oh, I think I can make it from like, uh, yeah, Moscow to New York. Just eh, walking yeah. mm, by, by sundown. No, probably. the final walk was like was like Long Island to to LaGuardia. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna like in my little benefit of the doubt headcanon is that she just had the map zoomed way in. And she was just trying to look cool. Just, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I'm just spin us over here. Yep. Should I just put too much toot in it? Or Tatooine's a tiny, tiny planet. Or that. <laughs> Mando <laughs> mentions to Pelly that he needs a lead on where to find more Mandalorians. And Dr. Mandible, Ryan's favorite character, says he'll give Mando the contact to someone who knows the whereabouts of a covert if he covers a round of bets. Mando agrees. Pelly and Mando head back to the hangar to meet up with the contact where she briefs Mando on the mission. The covert is apparently located on the planet Trask in a neighboring system. In exchange for the information, Mando must transport the contact and travel at sublight speed, no hyperdrive. Mando is displeased, not down with this. Pelly assures Mando that she can vouch for the contact and introduces her. The contact is a, quote, frog lady. If you watch with closed captions, she is called frog lady. Yep. <laughs> Named. That's it who explains that she needs to meet her husband to fertilize her eggs, which she carries in a backpack apparatus that looks like a lava lamp made out of a water cooler. (laughs) PG-13. The frog lady says her husband has seen Mandalorians on the planet where they're traveling to, but insists that if they travel at light speed, the eggs will die. Reluctantly, Mando agrees. En route to the planet, we discover a problem. The child wants to eat the eggs. Really badly. Savage little dude. We've learned now. Yeah. All he wants in life is to eat these damn eggs. So he, of course, sneaks away when no one's looking to make a meal out of this poor, lonely frog lady's unborn children, succeeds in eating one, but is quickly caught, stopped, and reprimanded by Mando. It gives me anxiety that he was eating them because they're the last of her line. Like, yeah. it's yeah, such yeah. a big deal. Yeah. yeah. We I'm are like, going dude. extinct without this lava lamp being yeah. fertilized by my dude. Yeah. But are we connecting, by the way, the frog thing? One of the first child moments that mm-hmm. everybody was like, Ooh-hoo, or, oh, that's so cute, was him just swallowing a frog whole. Yeah, yes. Totally. So now it's little frog eggs. What, what's up? What's up <laughs> with the Yoda species and frog eating? Dagobah, there's frogs everywhere on that thing, dude. <laughs> yep, that's why he's there. Frog planet. He went there for food. Snakes and frogs, and I mean, I don't know. It's a coincidence that there was that dark side cave. He just went for the frogs. Yeah. <laughs> Shortly after... While passing an icy planet called Maldo Crease, the Razorcrest is intercepted by two X-Wings sweeping the sector for Imperial holdouts. Since the Razorcrest is off the grid, the X-Wing pilots ask Mando for info on the ship, but Mando, of course, doesn't want to give anything away, so he makes a break for the nearby planet and the X-Wings pursue. 
Mandu evades the X-Wings and crash lands on an icy, mountainous area and just wrecks the living shit out of the crest. It's worse than we've seen it yet. Totally torn open on the side. It's a mess. The near-death experience has apparently made the child hungry again as Mando again catches him (laughs) trying to eat the frog lady's eggs. He's like, I could go for a snack. Right. He hasn't even assessed yet, like, how bad they're screwed and the kid's already trying to eat the eggs. So once Mando does assess the damage, he decides to rest until morning. The frog lady begins pleading with Mando to hurry up and fix the ship, but Mando can't understand her language, basically tells her just to go kick rocks, and snuggles up with the child for a long winter's nap. Mando is suddenly awakened by the voice of Zero that asshole gangster droid from Chapter 6 who tried to kill the child, but it's the frog lady who's apparently hacked into the remains of the droid and is using the vocabulator to speak to Mando. She explains her situation and talks Mando into working on the ship so they can leave the planet. As Mando repairs the ship, the child alerts him that the frog lady has left. This is kind of messed up. Yo, we gotta hurry up, we gotta hurry up. Can you fix the thing? And then she just bounces while he's working on it. (laughs) They go searching for her and find her in a hot spring, (laughs) laying more eggs. Just in the jacuzzi, chilling, She's basically got, like, a mojito. <laughs> She's just laying eggs. Like, I, does that get you in the mood? Or is that just, like, how it works? Did she go there just to lay them? Maybe she noticed that the child was eating eating some eggs. So yeah. she's like, well, she was missing a few. got to go make more eggs. The child, of course, tries to eat another egg, and Mando shuts him down. He's a very bad boy. <laughs> the child waddles off, discouraged, to find something else to eat. And, of course, he finds something else egg-shaped and cracks open in this ice cave. <laughs> the nastiest little spider and just eats it. He's a growing boy. It's dripping with goo like Janos at the end of Ghostbusters 2. Why are my drippings with goo? You had a violent, prolonged, transformative psychic episode. Huh? Sorry we had to hose you there, but you were kind of out of control. <laughs> and he just puts it down. This kid is a fucking sicko, and I don't know how much more I can handle. <laughs> this, of course, triggers... All of the surrounding eggs to start hatching, and tons of disgusting spiders start <laughs> moving towards Mando, the child, and Frog Lady. Trigger warning. If you have a spider issue, yes. stop now. Do not watch. I just got a bunch of goosebumps, the bad kind. <sighs> then, of course, a massive spider and thousands more spiders show up and start to chase Mando. Mando does his best to pick them off with a blaster as they all try to get back to the crest. And once they make it back, since the hull's breached, they're still screwed. So they run in, spiders follow them. All the way back up to the cockpit, they get in there, and Mando is just having a hell of a damn time sealing off the cockpit because there are so many disgusting spiders. (laughs) A few, of course, make it into the cockpit, like any writer and director would in this kind of situation, making my life so much more difficult. Trying to get the child, but the frog lady pulls out the cutest little frog lady blaster (laughs) and starts blasting as Mandy goes... Mandy. (laughs) Oh, Mandy. As Mando goes full John Goodman style on all the spiders... (laughs) And finally seals the door. Mando fires up the crest, but just as they're about to lift off, of course, a giant spider hops on top of the crest and starts to attack the cockpit. It's the big, disgusting, giant mama spider. And just when we think our heroes are totally screwed, a bunch of blasts come from off screen, nailing the giant, disgusting spider. We cut to see the two X-Wing pilots with their sweet blasters just picking off spiders one by one, left and right, saving Mando and the Razor Crest. Once all the spiders are killed, one of the pilots tells Mando that they looked into the tabs on the crest and there is a worn out for Mando's arrest. Not a good look. The pilot also goes on to say that the records from the prison transport show that Mando actually captured three priority culprits and also saved Lieutenant Davin from being killed. Risked his life to do it. He's a good guy, guys. Mando asks if he's under arrest, and the pilots say normally they would, but these are difficult times, and they're going to let him go. Mando asks for help fixing the crest, but the pilots, they're just like, how about no? Yeah. 
kind of weird. <laughs> Hard pass. Yeah. Good luck. You're not arrested. And see you later. Basically, just tell them to fix your transponder. Get the hell out of here. And we close with a shot from the first season two trailer, actually, of the Razor Crest hobbling off into space, looking a damn mess. The final shot is the child just slurping down one more egg, too. Oh, yeah. In the damn <laughs> cockpit, right in front of the lady. Yeah. Rude. He was, uh, like, 10 out of 10, absolutely cute and adorable in, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, really dialed it up. When the spiders were coming at him, it was definitely like, no. Yeah. Like, his vibe was <laughs> so yeah. sad and scared. Did you notice he had a theme in this episode? It was almost like this, like, childlike, like, Pixar, like... I don't know if it's a xylophone or something. There was he he did have his own little theme finally. That's tight. I didn't notice that. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna as you could tell from the synopsis, I had trouble with this episode. For being a vegan dude that really doesn't want to kill anything unnecessarily, still I f-ing hate spiders. I cannot <laughs> handle spiders. Oh god, they they just creep me out so much. I save them. If there's a, a spider in the house, I, I don't smash it, I'll take it outside and throw it really far, but I just can't, man. So this one was rough for me. I mean, it got a little, almost like, uh, I want to say chapter six got to like kind of a horror slasher movie. Mm -hmm. This one became like, kind of took a left turn and became like a a horror, creepy kind of episode two towards the end. Arachnophobia. Yeah. Yeah, so it was hard for me to get over that. They were just so relentless too, you know? Yeah. It it was in different sizes. It was was rough. It it was full on like, for people, it, it was over the top deliberate. Like, we know a lot of people are very bothered by spiders. Go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I, I mean, I don't like, I'm not like, oh, look at that spider. Awesome. <laughs> but I'm also not like, ah, if I see a spider. So yeah. I was just sitting there thinking, though, I know people who like the, the sight of a spider 10 feet away, they're just like, skin crawls off their body. So this <laughs> yeah. must have been traumatic to view. One of my best friends who, He's not a small dude. He's 6'2", maybe 6'3", and just like a bigger dude than me. You know, like out of the group, he was like the taller, just like bigger dude. Not like chubby, just like bigger dude. And he had the most intense, like debilitating arachnophobia. Mm. I remember one time we were all kind of high. It was, you know, his girlfriend at the time, my girlfriend at the time. And we thought it would be funny to tell him that there was a spider on him. (laughs) And we just kept just, you know, just like, like, no, 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 it's over there. No, 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 no. Now it's on your left shoulder. And he was freaking out to the point where we actually made him cry. <laughs> and uh, it was rough. So I can't imagine he watched this episode. Yeah, it's creepy. Because they look good, too. The CG in, in both of these first two episodes, definitely uh, yeah. film quality. All right. Well, we're already into my certain point of view on this, but let's officially get into it. A certain point of view? Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. I've got a few here. I think overall from talking to friends and talking to you guys it's it was a monster of the week standalone type of thing but i think we could assume it's moving the story along but it's something that would have took you know five minutes in a film but it took 40 minutes in a show yeah i think there'll be some relevant relevance to this episode but it was kind of one of those things where we're all like yeah star wars yeah yeah could stay up until midnight and watch it and then you stay up and you're like oh i stayed up for that okay i think though from a certain point of view, Star Wars needs this because yeah. everything is so much about character arcs and we want resolutions for big things. Like the stakes are so high. Mm-hmm. I think it's healthy for Star Wars to have a monster of the week thing with the longer 
overarching kind of big character arcs and, and story arcs mm-hmm. to look forward to. You know what I mean? I had that thought too. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with this, but I do know that I think Star Wars is the creators could be a little reactionary. So if they see that like specific episodes aren't watched a million times by fans or they're rated differently, like I wouldn't be shocked if they just went straight serial at one point, but yeah. they're, they're, they're trying it out. I want another thing too, is like, I just wish they would tell us that it was going to be this way. Cause now we're just like, yeah. what's chapter three going to be? I don't know what's chapter four going to be. Like if we went into this whole thing being like, there is an overarching story, but it is a little bit monster of the week then everyone's like expectations would be different. I think this goes back to season one where some of the monster of the week or adventure of the week even, because I get what you mean by monster of the week and and where that term comes from. Mm -hmm. But I think with Mandalorian, so far season two, it has literally been monster of the week, but season one, you might have called it, you know, adventure of the week, Mm -hmm. mission of the week, whatever, right? Right, yeah. And so... We all wondered, were they going to stick with that formula? I think I we all leaned towards, of course, well, they are because they wouldn't have committed so hard on season one yeah. and just change it up for season two. But some of those didn't land as as well either for, for me. And mm-hmm. I go back to what we talk about a lot on the show. If I was 10, I bet this episode would have ripped, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it didn't land as much for me this time, but not a couple of the episodes in, in season one, there were, there were little snippets in those episodes that were like, legendary Star Wars for me as a an older fan that got an Easter egg or whatever it was. Great. But overall, the episode wasn't like, wow. You know, I mean, it yeah. wasn't, yeah. they weren't all Stormtroop, you know, the 501st out in the square with like with a right. battery blaster or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. Like, it, you know what I mean? They weren't all the child holding back fire. Like, yeah. <laughs> But I think there's something to be said for those moments hold more weight. However, we go on this season, what, whenever we get to our next, the child holding back fire with his mind using the force, it's like you kind of gotten lost in like the monster of the week adventure. And then you're like, whoa, oh shit, that's right. Yeah. May the force be with you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think there's some of that to come. And like I said earlier, I think that like bringing back Zero, bringing back Pelimato, like I think those episodes we, were a little underwhelmed with from season one, they'll keep building on them and make them kind of a little bit more relevant. Not necessarily like moving the narrative forward, but at least placing some importance. Like even just the Filoni playing the same X-Wing character who saw Mm -hmm. Mando, you know, leave that flying space station in chapter six. Like there's connectivity for sure. It's just not overwhelming and pushing the narrative forward yet. So I think it is... Like you're kind of saying, Nick, I think it it is just planting seeds for everything else because we know Star Wars is essentially never going to end. So we're going to all these new planets or planets that are new to live action and we're just like planting seeds. I guess that's the best analogy. Laying you know what I mean? eggs. So, Laying eggs. <laughs> exactly. Gotcha. Nick. <laughs> and also, I feel like for the sake of, and Ryan, you were kind of getting at this, I think for like the sake of dynamics, it's almost like it's like an album, you know, like you're going to have some album tracks. Yeah. Because if you don't, like, say you got a heavy ass album or you have an album that has these big triumphant, like theatrical kind of songs, like you can't have Bohemian Rhapsody every single song. It's not going to be the same. You have to have, you got to have a, I'm in love with my car here or there. (laughs) Like, it's like, oh, okay, that was a thing. And in 15 years, frog lady episode might be John Favreau's miles apart to speak from my own experience that, you know, there you go. Like, if you're out there listening, you know what I'm talking about. Never been shy. Don't really like that song. It's on, <laughs> it's on our biggest album that we ever had. Not a fan. 
You're right. <laughs> they can't all be, I still have a career today because of that one song. They can't right. be that. So I think the show is an adventure. That That's the tone that was set from the beginning. The show is a, a Wild West gunslinger adventure. So I, I wasn't turned off by the fact that the episode didn't really have a lot of importance for, for me. You know, as far as like, it's, it's not one I'm going to go back and watch to be like, ooh, did I miss something or what? You know, like uh, it doesn't bother me because I think the tone for the show was set from the very beginning. I think there is an entire generation of young people that are watching this the way we watched the original trilogy and they worship the Mandalorian and they worship his adventures and all, you know, they're out in their backyards right now playing, you know, running from spiders. I mean, that that's just, <laughs> that's a thing. So I back it. Uh, this just in, Ryan Johnson is uh, directing the Frog Lady trilogy coming, <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> Not surprised. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> All right, we could talk about some other things that were a little weird, but let's just move on. Let's keep it positive. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark saber. Oh, gosh. It's a Calicori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. The Den of Antiquities. It's cold in here. Just makes me want to go to Galaxy's Edge, man. God, yeah. You can do it. You can do it. I know. Man, I can. did you see they, they just released, they're selling a couple crystals like outright. Now, one has a Yoda message, another mm. has a... Yeah, and Vader, I want to say. Is it Vader and Yoda? Yeah. Pretty sure. Pretty cool. Damn I want to go. I should have just bought one of those things. I still haven't really looked into how you get in because it's, you know, it's super limited. Yeah. Yeah. And my season passes in California, not in Florida. So I don't know. I, I've been meaning to change it, but I haven't yet. And I don't mm. know how, I don't know how that works, but yeah, can I don't you? know. Is it transferable? Well, I can change it to it. I've already spent the money on the California one for what it is and it's non refundable. You can just pay a little bit more. Not, well, I don't know, probably 50 bucks more or something a year or whatever, 100 bucks a yeah. year. I don't know what it is, but to make it the one where you can get into all the parks. Oh, nice. Because I already had the like no blackout one in California, mm -hmm. which is. The, that's the highest one you can get in California. Yeah. So I think it's like another, I don't know, 500 bucks total. I don't for, know if it'll be the same. To upgrade it to the next one. When I upgraded to like whatever trash $20 a month pass I had that had all the blackout yeah. dates, <laughs> they make you pay the upgrade difference all at once. Uh, I had to pay $20 a month and I wanted to go like one up to the Disney Flex Pass. Mm -hmm. And whatever the difference was, it was like $17 a month. So it would have been 37 a month. My payments actually stayed $20 a month, but I had to pay the difference like up front. So. Well, either way, uh, I've been be meaning careful. to do that. And I, and once it's done, I don't know what the, how you get on the list to get in or what the, how that yeah. works. But Hey, brighten up your week by locking all that down. Well, I, what I need to do is take up our, our friend Ashley Eckstein's offer to go down there and go to yeah. just go to yep. Disney World with her. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, why has that not <laughs> happened yet? Ashley, fix, let's go. Fix everything that's wrong with your emotions by doing exactly what you just said. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's been going a bunch, I, I see on Instagram. It's pretty rad. All right. The Den. The Din. The Din Jarn of Antiquities. I like it. Next Den. <laughs> Next Den. Welcome to Next Den. <laughs> did you guys, when, so when those, those bounty hunters were setting up that tripwire, did you think Ewoks? I thought Ewoks right away. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I didn't, but... Yeah, but now that you say that, of course you did. And there I you didn't. go. Boom. <laughs> Let's see. That that the one the one bounty hunter, the like shorter one that actually has the mm -hmm. child at knife point, definitely was in like one of the opening scenes of uh Force Awakens. Same species at least. I, I don't I, I doubt it's the same one, but I, I really don't know. I rewatched it today. It's when Ray is watching that old lady scrub yeah, parts I also. I love that scene. 
Yeah. I love that scene, like where she pictures herself. And then he interrupts her. Yeah. yeah. She's like seeing her saying, oh my God, if I stay here, that's going to be me. And then. And that guy comes in. To, whatever he says. <laughs> Keep scrubbing. And yeah. I always feel like when she goes back to scrubbing, there's something comedic about it. She's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she goes. Dude, she, she goes hard. Full body scrub. She gets <laughs> after it. She's like, goes from daydreaming to like. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my God. So, yes, sir, I will, I will always scrub for you, always. Uh, <laughs> she goes from Xanax to Adderall in like two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> that dude's name is Scrapjaw Matito. Of course it is. Hell yeah. That's amazing. Oh, Uncle Scrapjaw. So I thought the jetpack, when Mando kind of uses his wrist unit to get the jetpack coming back, there's something very Iron Man about that. And I feel like there's been some, just throughout all 10 chapters so far, there's been some Iron Man-esque stuff. It's really hard not to with like a flying man in armor. Yeah, right. Even uh, some, I saw on Instagram someone do a side by side of. I want to say it's the first Iron Man scene where it's really almost identical, where he kind of shoots a, a rocket out of his wrist, and there's buildings or little buildings on both sides. Iron Man shoots like a rocket down the street and then starts walking, and it's like almost the same exact shot as Cobb Vanth from Chapter Nine, where he does the whole bend over thing. It's like exactly <laughs> the same looking scene. So I'm like, is yeah. Trevor ripping himself off? Is it not intentional? Like, I really don't know. Is he accidentally writing the same riff, or is he going full Chad Kroger and just rewriting his first hit on <laughs> yeah. purpose? Yeah. Or is he like, yo, I've already done this, this shot we need. Here's exactly how we can do it fast and cheap because this is the way that I did it, and only the yeah. nerds on Think the Maker are going to know that, it's <laughs> our, that I already did it. Yeah. <laughs> So we already mentioned Dr. Mandible. He gets a name now, the ant. But uh, what a name. the cool thing about this is we, we have a new director finally to, into the uh, Star Wars universe, and it's Peyton Reed, who directed the Ant-Man two movies. So Good movies. He's good at his job. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was a little bit of a, a cute little Easter egg. But he was in Chapter 5 last year, Dr. Mandible. Yeah, but they brought him back. For, yeah, yeah. They had to have brought him back and yeah. gave him an actual role for yeah. this exact reason. And he's a doctor? Was that? Do you think that he was actually a doctor or it was just like, look at this freaking genius over here, you know? Like, <laughs> if he's an ant doctor, that's I mean, pretty sick. Whatever you say, doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need to double check this. I was talking with another buddy and if you go back to chapter five and look in the cantina, you could see the frog lady. Pretty cool. If that's the case, I mean, we do need to double yeah, check that. She's there. I mean, everyone else from chapter five is kicking around in, in the cantina still. So Small town. Yeah. Uh, cooking the crate dragon meat using a pod racer, similar to they do in a uh, Batu at Ronto Roasters. Pretty cool. Here we go again with Batu. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> rubbing it in. Good. Get not only Easter eggs from movies, but theme parks now. So the the droid that's actually spinning the meat is in A New Hope in that whole you know R five R two Jawa lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the very beginning. The I think auction. it's called like a tread treadwell or something. So. Bring in something else back from A New Hope. He's also in that deleted scene where Luke is looking up with the binox at the the battle going on overhead. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? And he's like, yeah. come on, man. That's the same droid, yeah. I think. Pretty cool. Getting that whole Jawa lineup, some screen time, some relevance. Yep. What else we got? Mando tries to speak Hatties to to the frog lady just because they're in hut space. So Mando definitely knows uh, a lot of, you know, between speaking with the Tusken Raiders. Mm-hmm. But apparently he didn't know frog lady language. I really like that they're bringing Hatties to live action and making it as prominent as it is. Or it seems like they're trying to as prominently as they've portrayed it in cartoons. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all over the place in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Drew just sent over the frog lady is seen uh, in chapter five in the cantina at 8.13. Eight minutes and 13 seconds. 
There it is. Confirmed. There you go. I want her name to be like Donna or something. <laughs> Gail, maybe. Mandy. <laughs> that was a little thought I had because it's it's definitely comedic at this point that her name's Frog Lady. We'll name her Mandy. But uh, <laughs> like every single thing in the Star Wars universe, every character, every species, well, besides the Yoda species, like they all have names. And then this one's just like Frog Lady. Right. <laughs> they couldn't like spell it backwards or something. <laughs> yeah. Just spend five minutes, please. E- Edelgorf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty cool, and I feel like this is maybe a little bit character development for Mando, but he does say, may the force be with you to the New Republic X-Wing fighters. So he's starting to believe. He's starting to like learn about it a little bit more. Is he just saying that because he thinks that's the right thing to say at that point? Well, we talked about how there, this wasn't a very quote-worthy episode, and it, it's not, but, that, I mean, winner, winner, <laughs> frog egg dinner is may the force be with you come on <laughs> and here's the thing about it there, there are two things one i do think he was kind of saying it like um hey guys here's the thing that you say this is what they um, want to hear <laughs> yeah just leave me alone yeah but it also answers the question how do you respond to it <laughs> because every other time it's said in any movies they they kind of just say it back as, yeah, yeah. as well right yeah and i've always said like growing up going to catholic school for 12 years you know, peace be with you and also with you, yep. you know, that <laughs> under his I eye. Said, right. So now there it is. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to kids who had to go through Catholic school. Yeah. Same thing with me. And I was like, wait a minute. Is that like some weird false Mandela effect? Is like, was that always in the movies or did we always just joke? Because that definitely is a joke for a lot of people. Yeah. So it's wild that it actually made it in there. Blessed be the fruit. <laughs> Uh, so Dave Filoni's back, obviously, as uh, Trapper Wolf, the X-Wing uh, pilot. Solid name. Sickest name, dude. Sickest yeah. name. Uh, he does have a little wolf on his X-Wing helmet, it's too. so bad. So pretty cool. So one little thing, too. Uh, I always, when I'm on my second or third or fourth or fifth viewing, I put the closed caption on just to get some good, you know, some proper pr- uh, spellings and pronunciations and stuff like that. But uh, so one of the X-Wing pilots asked Mando if he was ever near the New Republic Correctional Transport from season one. And that ship's name was the Bothan Five. So in Return of the Jedi, many Bothans yeah, died. Yeah, exactly. Mon Mothma mentions the Bothans in Return of the Jedi. So that's pretty cool because I don't think I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I don't think that in uh, Chapter Six that we knew the name of that ship. I really hold out hope and and belief that we will get a star, a star Wars story similar to Rogue One. Yeah, it'd be like dope. almost would feel like a sequel to Rogue mm-hmm. One, even if it's. Yeah. A, a very similar story. I'm here to ready to watch uh, the Bothans steal the plans for the second Death Star. Take my money. Yeah. This last one's really sweet. Yeah. The spiders, there's definitely some people that think that they are uh, Krikna spiders, which are seen in uh, some episodes of the animated series Rebels. But they're actually a callback to Ralph McQuarrie concept art for Empire Strikes Back. You could look it up. I think actually they're in the end credit scenes, you could see some of the concept art. So I don't think that they're the Krikna spiders because in Rebels, those spiders are a little bit more resistant or a lot more resistant to blaster fire. And in this episode, Mando's just shooting them and they're they're dying. So they're definitely not Kricknas. They might be the same species, like same, I don't know, cousins or something. But these are more mostly supposed to be referencing uh, Ralph McQuarrie concept art from 1980. The ones in the cartoon don't have that weird long mouth either. 
I think there's something different with the mouth for sure. So yeah, I think they, it's possible there's some variation of the Krikna or something like that. I'm looking at a photo that Drew just sent of the Rebels one and the Mandalorian one, and they're 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 real close, but they're close for sure. But in that scene in Rebels, they're really they kind of blaster shots don't do much to them. It's also on a way different type of planet, right? Yeah. 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 Did you guys get Ridley Scott vibes? Like, I mean, just uh, the yeah. green blood and and yeah, the. Yes swarming face hugger spider vibe. I love yeah. that. I loved it. Big aliens fan over here though. So God, spiders are gross. Oh my God. <laughs> Speaking of that, we got to watch aliens one night. Yeah. Fact. So that's pretty much it. I mean, there, there was some stuff to go on here. You know, there, there's little details. Like what's cool is like stuff you're never going to notice on like the first or second viewing, but on, I think on Filoni's X-Wing, there's a couple of like uh tie fighter drawings, like as if he like took out five or six TIE fighters, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like you would in like a, a World War II plane or something like, like that. Like football helmet stickers yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Like cool little things like that are just like so for us nerds, but don't bring too much to the story. But, but I want to say, was it Mike from Hondo Supply pointed out that they're TIE interceptors? So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, there's fewer of them on there. Like they're a bigger kill because they're faster and, you know, m- more shields and whatnot, I guess, right? Good point. I think they have less shields because they're faster. The ones like like Vader flies? Yeah, let me look into it and get back because from playing squadrons, they're faster, but you get blasted quicker than flying a regular TIE in, on the video game. But the idea is that the better pilots probably fly those, right? So it's a better kill, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. They're definitely not your stock issue. I just got out of flight school. Here's what mm-hmm. you get. You know, you, you graduate to flying an interceptor. But but I think from yeah. playing the video, at least in the video game, I, I, I'll, next week I'll confirm. Makes sense. Sweet. But I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they have less shields, and that's what you, you sacrifice that for the speed and maneuverability of the, of the interceptor, which would make them harder to kill. Yep. Dope. Really is cool just seeing X-Wings, you know? Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we saw them at the end of Chapter 6, but there's just some, like, maneuverability and cool stuff. Like, even when they open up the, their X-Wings, when they're both flanking Mando in space, like, that's such a cool scene. Because it's actually, you have, like, the silent vacuum of space, but just for... TV show sake, you hear the, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. mechanics of the the X-Wings opening up, which I thought was pretty cool. And then there was just something about them leaving Mando at the end where they have to kind of like maneuver through that little hole that Mando fell through. There was just something really cool about seeing like uh, X-Wings not only flying, but just kind of maneuvering slowly through that thing. It was, it was a cool little shot. I also love that there, since this isn't quite you know, we're, we're leading up to the sequels, so there's still the older T-65s, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the four engines that are all four cylinders. They mm-hmm. don't have, like, the half-cylinder, mm-hmm. like, like pose. It's cool. Cool throwback. Um, Drew coming in, dropping the knowledge. Appreciate you, dude. So, the spiders, it looks like, from Chapter 10, I mean, if, if this is confirmed, a, a tweet with the Macquarie artwork and they were called knobby white spiders the knobby white spider was a large land speeder sized arachnid like organism native to the swamp world of dagobah and it looks almost identical to this image this like mandalorian screenshot of the spider it lo- it almost looks like the same drawing yeah and it's like barf pooping out its eggs <laughs> yeah it's pretty gross god that's repugnant but it definitely looks like either it's the same species or it's just a really cool nod yeah, to Macquarie's art, but it looks pretty freaking close, man. Look at the back of it. Like, look at the it is not you know the sack looking part of the spider in the Macquarie drawing, and then go back to the Mandalorian screenshot. It's it's identical. Yeah, the thorax. The thorax. Seems like there's a never ending supply of Macquarie unused Macquarie concept yeah. art, but yeah, 
Same thing with all these Western tropes. They're going to run out one day. They're going to run out of Macquarie <laughs> art one day. <laughs> yeah, but Westerns never got old, so. Yeah, it's true. I walked into my parents' house the other day and Tombstone was on. <laughs> I was like, God, that was the role of Val Kilmer's life. He was way better than MacGruber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dieter von Kunth, he's pretty yeah. good. I love Val Kilmer. Also. I love you. I know. I'll go first. This episode being, I think, a little more adventure of the week. There wasn't a whole lot of like mind blowing, you know, gonna stay with me, like the dark saber coming out of a TIE fighter moments in this episode. But I will say, I think my favorites are are pretty clear cut as far as like the moment the sound of those X Wing engines came on screen and like they just yeah. came into the shot. It was like just pure joy pure mm-hmm. happiness all over so amazing and they weren't even doing anything they were just like coasting <laughs> it was just the sound that like that that hiss that like drone sound of the engines yeah so good and i said this already but um in a in a less than memorable week of quotes on the mandalorian having may the force be with you said i mean come on man that's it <laughs> so those were my two moments where Although it wasn't my favorite episode, it was still very fulfilling and redeem. Like I was super stoked to be watching what I was watching because both of those moments, I was like, "Oh my god, I love Star Wars." <laughs> I would say just overall, like the child really dialing up the cuteness, although and also disgustingness. But there was something <laughs> even when it was eating the spider it was like, "Oh, look how cute he is!" You know, like there there was something just really uh, kind of like replaying the greatest hits from season one of all his cuteness all in. Uh, one episode. Oh, when he first sees the eggs, he like pushes his nose up against the backpack. So cute. So yeah, that was one that was to me, there were two extra cute child moments. One when he pushes his nose up against that backpack full of eggs. Really yeah. cute. And then I think after the Razor Crest crashes and Mando wants to take a nap, the child literally like a dog like comes and nuzzles up. Yes. Against Mando and it's really really cute. That really got me because like you said, it's just like a dog. Yeah. But like a dog baby, <laughs> like a human baby, minus all the things that suck about human babies, plus all the good things about a dog, plus Star Wars, plus being the most force sensitive being in the universe. <laughs> right. I got a handful of honorable mentions, the Iron Man stuff and the way that Mando uses the jetpack and is starting to just be like super skilled with it looks so sweet to me. And I also love that when he called back the jetpack and it landed on its own vertically, that was one like a throwback to early days of sci-fi where we thought that that's how rockets were all supposed to land. And then they didn't for years and years and years and decades. And then finally SpaceX pulled that shit off recently. That's how their rockets land now, like a damn cartoon. <laughs> and it, it just looked and sounded so legit. Like the, the engine firing, it's got that crackling of like, like afterburner sound. It's, it was just so sweet. Cause I'm, you know, I'm a space nerd. I went to space camp twice. So <laughs> I'm into that. I, like I said before, love being back on Tatooine in the cantina. It's just, it's just where we are now. Everything about the X-Wings, like Ryan was saying, I loved the sound also when the S-foils get into attack position and it opens, you know, and then oh, you so like good. that sound. And then they, when they lock in place, that kind of like clunk, it's like Star Wars porn, like we always say. <laughs> and then, well, a bunch of stuff about the, the chase when Mando just like shuts down the engines and just drops gravity style, keeps dropping and you hear like the, the whistling of of it picking up speed and then he finally kicks back in the engines. It's like such a, like a Han Solo move means like a maverick 
Pete Mitchell move. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you did it. So good. We didn't, even, we didn't even do it when I brought up Val Kilmer, dude. And we, <laughs> you still found a way. That's what I mean. I'm just being honest. That's what it was like. And, uh, and then also, you know, the X wings are talking about, you know, target computer active, you know, and then it shows, it shows the screen and it's a trench, like the whole, th- it's another trench run. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they see instead of the Death Star, you know, and it's like Atari looking kind of graphic display. It's the shape of that canyon, you know, all kind of crooked, but it's just as wireframe. It's just so good. There's a, there's a little bit of comedy in there, too. I thought it was pretty funny when they were like during that X-Wing chase, frog ladies like yelling. Yeah. And like kind of like falling all over the place. Her yell was a little comedic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. tongue flapping like a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so overall, that X-wing chase was my favorite for sure. I mean, everything about that interaction and how he was kind of bullshitting with the <laughs> with the X-wing pilots, trying to like, yep, I'll uh, let you know if I see any of them. Yeah. Okay, uh, see you later. Basically, it's really really sweet. And then, of course, favorite quote is "May the force be with you and also with you." But there was another good one, an honor- honorable mention. Overall, he says, Mando says, "Wake me up if someone shoots at us." Or if that tour gets sucked off its rails. I'm kidding. If that happened, we'd all be dead. Sweet dreams. <laughs> I like how he was... I, I meant to say this all the way back. You just made me think of it. You mentioned how destroyed the Razor Crest was. Yeah. I'm just going to get my toolbox. Can <laughs> 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 I go grab my old uh, Sears Craftsman toolbox yep. out yeah. here? And, uh... <laughs> all in one. Got it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's do this. So we did pull the patrons. On favorite scenes. Five nominations. Number one, Mando fighting the bounty hunters, the thugs, in the opening scene and using his jetpack to send one flying straight up in the air. Number two, the child eating the frog lady's eggs, pushing his nose up against the backpack apparatus. Number three, X Wings chasing the razor crest through the clouds. Number four, <laughs> the frog, <laughs> frog lady spa day. <laughs> well done, Nick. <laughs> and fifth and final nomination the spiders chase scene with the x-wing pilots saving mando the child and frog lady and the winner with 40 percent of the vote as it should be the x-wing chase with the razor crest runner up 23 percent the opening fight with the other bounty hunters and the jetpack i think i'm fully in line with this personally agreed good stuff the x-wings the x-wings were for us yeah that's where that balance comes in of keeping us happy. I mean, as soon as that whole sequence started, I was locked in, like just fully obsessed with what, you know what I mean? Like yeah, all love of Star Wars rekindled. Like it was just so good. I wonder if they have, uh, for season two, they actually have an X-Wing like prop now. Oh yeah, because the one that's in Galaxy's Edge is in Galaxy's Edge now. Oh, wouldn't that suck to have to build another X-Wing to play with all the time when you're at work? All right, let's do one of these that we haven't done in a while. I have a special thing. I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Come on, let's go. So this is actually a follow-up and an answer to a question that Ryan asked. We were going to go straight to the source to ask the horse or whatever. The question was... (laughs) Straight to the horse's ass. Right, right to the butt. Um, This is now inappropriate because we were talking about asking Emily Swallow... (laughs) Whether or not she did the fight scene with the armorer when the armorer owns the shit out of those stormtroopers when they show up at the covert. I found out on an episode of 
the Corridor Crew um, YouTube channel, they have a series called Stuntmen React to Good and Bad Hollywood Stunts. And they happened to do this scene and they had the girl who was the stunt woman in the suit. And her name is Lauren Mary Kim. She's done a bunch of stuff. She was in Star Trek Pacific Rim, Furious 7, a bunch of TV stuff as well. She's been on like um, a lot of the DC shows and she's a pretty big, successful stunt person. Anyway, she talked a lot about this scene and said they actually did all legit hits with those tools she had in her hand because they had armor on and they're like, fuck it, hit me. No, hit me harder. Mm -hmm. You know, they were all super into it because they were like fully padded for once. (laughs) She said it was actually like kind of tough to do for real because they're, they're so well trained to fake a hit and just barely miss, you know, and that's their thing. She also mentioned a lot about the way they shoot because they have all this great coverage with with the volume, they can kind of shoot from any angle and make it all work. So they'll run a scene, especially a fight scene, over and over and over. And she said they did a couple hundred takes of this fight Oof. scene to get like every possible angle. Whoa. It's fully choreographed. So just, it's like, run it again, run it again, you know? Did it all day for a couple days and we get this badass scene out of it. She had a frog lady spa day after that, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, laid a lot of eggs. <laughs> We'll put the link in the show notes, of course. It's pretty awesome. Ryan Key, you got a quote of the week for us? Quote of the week, quote of the week, quote of the week. I think this is great, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if you're listening to this show, you know, I hope that you don't take this in some kind of like nose-turned-up political way because I think it's about unity, and I think it's about moving forward and uh, whatever side of the fence you're on. If you disagree with doing those things, I... I'm not really a fan of your side of the fence, whichever one it is. So Mark Hamill, who I don't have to take credit for his politics. If you follow him online, he's quite vocal about it. But he posted uh, something on Instagram when the election results were announced. It was just different images from newscasts around the world. And his caption is pretty great. He just said, yub nub, y'all. Here and all over the world, yub nub. Hell yeah. (laughs) I love Mark Hamill yep. so much. We're going to get him on this show. Future guest. Life goals. It is going to happen. Well, um, you can, of course, follow him at Hamill himself. <laughs> you can. On all things. If you aren't already, something's wrong with you. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker1. You could follow me at Adam the Skull on all that stuff. I am followable at William Ryan Key. And I'm at Nick Bayside on Twitter and Instagram. And lastly, you can, of course, support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod and enjoy the benefits or just enjoy the fact that you're supporting a podcast that you get to listen to for free all the time because it helps. It truly does help a lot, and we appreciate it. So thank you to the patrons. Thank you to everyone for listening. And until next week, may the force be with you. 